The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. If we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple, just like dominoes, one by one. They'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left-wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. But on the same day of this great speech, he also made some digital training or trading cards of some sort. And uh, surely that's disqualifying to listen to people react to everything that this man does. And then, of course, he gives this great speech. This gets completely overlooked, of, of, of course, even from Republicans. How many Republicans would give a simple, direct, concrete speech on free speech and how those freedoms are eroding away. Here, here is Donald Trump, the real president, speaking up for the Constitution and the First Amendment in particular. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us here on the last show of the week. Can't believe it's Friday. We come to you every weekday at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. You can get to the video on our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live or just go to the, the, the main page of the website and you can get to the uh, programs that are posted after the fact as well. So Donald Trump gives uh, uh, one of his best speeches since leaving office. Uh, I think it was only about six minutes uh, and we've got a few clips for you here, but here again, here again, look at the reaction that this man gets. No matter what he does, Sam and I are already regretting the fact that we didn't get one of these cards, whatever it is. I think it's going up in value. Sold out in 12 hours. So uh, a, a somewhat of a success, but leave that aside. It's disqualifying. Surely it's disqualifying because he hyped this big announcement. And then it was a trading card? Really? That's the reaction from the establishment. Again, just picking at every little thing that he does. Of course, he's always been known to throw a few curveballs. Most of the big announcements that people are anticipating turn out to be something very different. That's just been the way he is from the beginning. Listen to Nancy Pelosi. This is kind of an odd scene. There's Pelosi, Schumer, a CNN reporter. Uh, they're eating dinner together. And then the subject of Donald Trump comes up. This is clip three. Right now, Donald Trump is the only Republican who has announced he could be the nominee. He could be president again. You've been through the first presidency. You've been through January 6th. What would it mean if Donald Trump was reelected president? I don't think it'll happen. The American people have gotten wise to him. Took a little while, but they did. I don't think that we should talk about him while we're eating. And you missed the laughter there at the end. Uh, we, we shouldn't even talk about Donald Trump 
while we're eating because it, you know, presumably just makes her sick. Just the, the mention of his name over dinner, it ruins her dinner. The reporter, by the way, went on to say, now you have been uh, quoted in the past as saying Donald Trump is insane. And of course, there's Pelosi nodding along. And, and the thing of it is, you've got people like Paul Ryan, uh, Big Baby Boehner, as you saw on yesterday's show, just absolutely groveling before the feet of this woman who's done so much to destroy a career politician who's on the take, a sellout, worth hundreds of millions of dollars. She brought San Francisco values into the halls of Congress. And when they speak of her, the establishment, John Boehner and company, they're just bawling like little children, overcome with emotion. She says, I can't even talk about Trump over dinner. It makes me too sick. And everyone has a, has a good laugh. It's funny. Listen to this exchange from the same scene, clip two. I think you see in some of the film how firm Chuck was when we were calling the governors, the mayors, the secretary. And, and when we were talking to the secretary of the army, the attorney general, secretary of the army was supposed... It, it's really a tragedy that they did not send the National Guard earlier. They were sort of afraid to act. Trump had so intimidated everybody, you could never tell him the truth, you could never go contradict him. Have some Peking duck, it's good. That's, it I'm is eating good. too much. I had to leave in the Peking duck uh, bit there at the end. But listen to them lie. They're talking about January 6th. She says it's, it's such a shame that the National Guard didn't come in and and then Schumer, for his part, says, yeah, they were too intimidated. Donald Trump asked for it. He had, uh, who was it at the time? The acting director, Christopher Miller. This is from uh, Associated Press just a few months ago. Trump did say during a 30-second call on January 5th with uh, then-acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller that they were going to need 10,000 troops on January 6th, according to a statement Miller provided to a House committee in May of 2021. So he asked for it, but I guess because he didn't print off the order himself on official White House paper and put the presidential seal on it, Chris Miller just disregards it. No, nope, not going to do it. This is from the same story. But Miller added that there was no elaboration. And he took the comment to mean a large force would be required to maintain order the following day. He didn't elaborate enough. He didn't deliver it officially. The truth of it, if you just read between the lines, is Miller and Pelosi and the Capitol Police, all of them, they didn't want any reinforcements. They didn't want any extra National Guard. They wanted violence. They wanted violence. Then they brought in the National Guard, or <laughs> did they ever? They turned D.C. into an armed camp after Jan 6 to, again, contribute to the narrative that this was a violent overthrow or an attempt. Now we've got to bring in the army. There they are, yucking it up over dinner, spinning yarns, as they've been doing, on January 6th. These people are corrupt through and through. And so you have to leave it to, to Donald Trump. He's not even in office. He's not even occupying the White House. But he's crying aloud saying, look, we lose free speech. We lose everything. We lose all of our freedoms. 
Listen again to Donald Trump from yesterday, clip 10. In recent weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that a sinister group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. They have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed, and it must happen immediately. And would, would any of the dump Trumpers on the Republican side take issue with anything that he said there? As I say, it's simple, it's direct, there's concrete action that he's promising. When he's inaugurated, he goes on to say in the next clip, it's a pretty confident leader. He won't go away, will he? He won't go away. There were some, there were some conservative commentators yesterday because of the trading card thing that said he really doesn't even want, he, you can tell by his tone or you can tell by his, his, the way he's carrying himself, he doesn't want to come back into office. He just wants to leave. He wants to retire. He's too old. Listen to this speech. Six minutes. That's all that it takes. Powerful, powerful words coming from Donald Trump, clip 11. Here's my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship. Second, I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the new online censorship regime which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. First, I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters, and we have to do this right now, to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant, ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. Third, upon my inauguration as president, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk revising Section 230 to get big online platforms out of censorship business. I think that uh, makes pretty good sense to quite a few people in America. As I say, what, 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 would, what would people in his party, the Republican Party, take issue with in anything that he said there? I mean, you've got uh, two pretty influential voices right now fighting for free speech because they know there's a regime that's trying to blot it out. You've got Donald Trump and you've got Elon Musk. And they both have a certain amount of power, certainly Elon Musk, in owning Twitter. Donald Trump, as it stands, is, is not in a position of political power. But what a speech yesterday. Listen to this, clip 12. We need to break up the entire toxic censorship industry that has arisen under the false guise of tackling so-called mis- and disinformation. The federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. 
We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections, and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Furthermore, to confront the problems of major platforms being infiltrated by legions of former deep staters and intelligence officials, there should be a seven-year calling-off period before any employee of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DNI, DHS, or DOD is allowed to take a job at a company possessing vast quantities of U.S. user data. Fifth, the time has finally come for Congress to pass a digital Bill of Rights. This should include a right to digital due process. In other words, government officials should need a court order to take down online content, not send information requests such as the FBI was sending to Twitter. The fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America and for the survival of Western civilization itself. When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. By restoring free speech, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our nation. Thank you, and God bless America. I think it, it's safe to say that he stands against <laughs> government-sponsored censorship. The, these legions of — he's been paying attention. He's been following the, the Twitter files. He's probably been listening to Tucker. He knows what's going on. Legions of deep staters. The government, basically, telling Twitter what to blot out, at least in the days before Elon Musk purchased the social media platform. Speaking of Tucker, last night he had a segment on these new files released regarding the JFK assassination. And uh, listen to a bit from his monologue. This is clip four. In 1976, long forgotten, the House of Representatives impaneled a special committee to reinvestigate the JFK assassination. Their bipartisan conclusion? Jack Kennedy was almost certainly murdered as the result of a conspiracy. But the question is, a conspiracy by whom? Well, the obvious suspect would be the CIA. Why else would the agency withhold critical evidence from investigators? Is there a benign explanation for that, for maintaining this level of secrecy for this many years? Not that we're aware of. And it is illegal. In 1992, Congress passed the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act. And that act mandated full disclosure of all documents by 2017, 54 years after JFK was killed. The last administration promised to comply fully with that law. But under intense pressure from CIA Director Mike Pompeo, withheld, in the end, thousands of pages of CIA documents. Today, this afternoon, the Biden administration did exactly the same thing. That would be thousands of pages of documents after nearly 60 years, after the death of every single person involved. But we still can't see them. Clearly, it's not to protect any person. They're all dead. It's to protect an institution. But why? Why protect an institution, Tucker asks. He went on to say that he, he has a source that has seen the documents 
that the CIA continues to withhold. And he, he says, yeah, the CIA was behind it in some way or another. There was a conspiracy, even a, a bipartisan committee, as he noted there, concluded that back in the 1970s. And then it was all supposed to be released in 2017, and Mike Pompeo stood in the way of it. Tucker said later in his segment that he invited Pompeo on the program last night, who's probably going to be running for president. He wanted to bring him on and ask about these things, but uh, Pompeo declined. What is there to hide? What are they hiding? There's some powerful, powerful institutions that have to be protected. The, the, the tracks have to be covered. We're seeing that over and again. I mean, it's like it's ramped up on steroids now, but it's been going on for so long. The U.S. government, it's just grown so large, and you've got so many of these career bureaucrats, and you've got to be all for the status quo. You've got to be establishment, or you come under fire from both sides. Both sides. As I say, there's two prominent voices that are standing up for the Constitution and for the First Amendment. You've got Donald Trump, and then you've got Elon Musk, who just suspended... I think it was six or eight accounts, most of them journalists, because they violated a rule that Musk gave them not that long ago. He warned them, look, I'm, uh, I'm fed up with the doxing. You guys tracking my plane and so on. So here's the rules. Because it was putting his family in danger. He gave the rule ahead of time. He, say, he said, if you continue to do this, if you continue to track all of my movements and let everyone know so that I can be harassed or my family can be harassed everywhere that we go, I'm going to blot you out. And so the reporters tested him a bit, and they got blotted out. They got canceled. And the reaction, the reaction from the talking heads is especially rich. This is clip seven. He's been fed not just by sycophants, inside his companies, like telling him how great he is. He is fed by sycophants in mainstream media. But this is off the rails. And someone said recently, and it's apropos, that you could take almost any headline right now that has Musk's name in it and swap out Musk for Trump, and it would still feel apropos. The chaos, the, the ego, the insults, uh, and the fact that he is bringing down an institution. But it certainly feels like we're in the dying days of this platform. But simply tweeting that link was enough to get him suspended off Twitter. Since then, he has punished his critics and journalists on a platform that people around the world rely on for critical information. He's now taking the unprecedented step of suspending journalists from a major social media platform. James, what did you do? You just simply reported on yeah, Twitter we, and we, Elon Musk. We did report. This raises a big question about what the free press, what the future of the free press on Twitter looks like. You know, are news organizations going to stand by as the reporters are just, you know, hastily banned without explanation? hastily banned without explanation? How could this happen? These people, Oliver Darcy there at the end, they, this shows they really and truly do live in their own universe. It's like Jesse jokes at the end of his, uh, his program. You know, I'm Jesse Waters and this is my world. They really believe this. It's their world. Donald Trump was banned. He was the president of the United States with 80 million followers or so. And he was banned for not even violating any rules. They tried to find a rule that he broke internally. And the Twitter files have shown that he didn't break any. But they banned him anyway. Here, Musk warns them ahead of time. If you keep doing this, you're off. 
and they kept doing it. They're off. And there's your reaction. We were just reporting. Twitter's so important for news distribution. Now they're very concerned, you see, about free speech. Now they're really upholders of the First Amendment. Hypocrisy doesn't even describe it <laughs> that accurately. It's so much worse. They're so blind. They're so corrupt in their thinking, blinded by rage and hatred. Why would you even want to dox Elon Musk? Would they have done that with, uh, let's say, Barack Obama, the dear leader? Would they have shown every one of his movements in real time so that, per so that persecutors, protesters could show up and greet the dear leader everywhere that he went? No, it was, it was, a, different, it was a different set of rules for that kind of a leader. It's only the ones that they hate, that they have to harass, that they have to threaten, that they have to attempt to assassinate. The guy showed up at uh, Kavanaugh's house with a gun, and of course those justices, their addresses, all of that was doxxed by left-wingers through mediums like Twitter. And Twitter didn't think anything of it until Elon Musk showed up and said, look, we're going to change the rules. Here they are crying out for some independent journalist representing CNN or whoever. And two seconds ago, an entire news organization, the New York Post, one of the oldest, I think it's the oldest newspaper in the United States, the entire account, not just one reporter, the entire account was suspended for weeks. For what? Because they were reporting on Hunter's laptop because they were reporting the truth about the Biden crime family. And they were censored. And I wonder what Oliver Darcy said about that, if anything, or any of those other reporters. They cheered it on. They cheered it on when Donald Trump was blotted out. Now you see the tables uh, turn a little bit and their heads explode. Listen to Maria Bar uh, Bartiromo from earlier today, clip five. Elon Musk sending the mainstream media into a tailspin this week after suspending certain journalists' Twitter accounts. CNN correspondent uh, Donnie O'Sullivan, The New York Times reporter, Ryan Mack, Washington Post reporter Drew Harwell, and uh, others uh, all axed from the site. Uh, and they're complaining about it. They want to know why they have their uh, Twitter account suspended. Musk says they violated terms of service and endangered his family when they posted direct links to an account tracking and posting his location in real time. Musk says that's doxing and their accounts will be paused for seven days. Good for him. He's using his authority. It's just seven days. They're full-scale panic mode, freaking out. Listen to this one, clip six. One of those people who got the account uh, suspended is not a journalist. He's a political activist. Right, right. But now they're all saying, oh, why did I get my account? So, I mean, where were they when Donald Trump was kicked <laughs> off the platform, right? Where were they when so many people were getting censored because this company has been parading around for years as some kind of a digital town square when, in fact, thanks to Elon Musk, we recognize now Twitter has been another cog in the wheel for the Democrat <laughs> machine. That is what it has been. Uh, and we know that for sure now with all of this censorship, Ryan. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to mention, like you just said, this is not because they said something that was politically offensive. It was just because of a location issue, which is a very clearly stated policy uh, issue for Twitter. Like you can't give someone's location out. Um, and also, I just love Elon Musk. I just love the fact he stirs the pot every single day. It's hard not to appreciate it. Someone who's stirring the pot, someone who just uh, goes forward, speaks boldly, maybe throws a curveball here and there. I mean, I think uh, in the case of Donald Trump, the fact that he was a little bit unpredictable helped to keep certain tyrants at bay in North Korea or China or wherever else. He was unpredictable. The world wanted him out. And the thing of it is, the radical communists in this country as well wanted him out too. And so they got him out. They blotted him out. They stole the election even. All of this happening just in the last couple of years. When we come back, we're going to get to a little bit more news before we conclude uh, today's show with our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can send comments to td at thetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. This is KPCGFM, and this is The Trumpet Daily. The developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world, providing every luxury, modern convenience, and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime, violence, injustice, sickness, and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth, and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why, if God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. In an effort to support adaptation efforts in Africa, a down payment of my commitment to provide $3 billion annually. Since the start of my administration, the MCC has announced new investments of nearly $1.2 billion in Africa. We expect the MCC to commit an additional $2.5 billion. At the G7 meeting earlier this year, we announced our intention to collectively mobilize $600 billion, mobilizing $8 billion in public and private finance to help South Africa replace coal-fired power plants, a deal worth $2 billion to build solar energy projects in Angola, 
$600 million in high-speed communications cable that will connect. I'm announcing a new initiative, the Digital Transformation with Africa, working with Congress to invest $350 billion to facilitate more than almost a half a billion dollars in financing to make sure people across Africa can participate in a digital economy. And putting more than $1 billion into Africa over the next five years, the Forum has spurred more than $15 billion in new deals, which will turn, lift up, and improve the lives of people all across the continent. Donald Trump uh, creates on his own, as a private citizen, he creates a, a digital trading card, and that's disqualifying. But this man, I guess the plan is to bail out the entire continent of Africa. Uh, on the assurance, of course, that he gets a 10% kickback. You know how it works in the, in the crime family. 10% at least goes to the big guy. How, many, how much regulation do you suppose there will be on all these billions and billions of dollars going, in some cases, to African warlords? You, you think there's any oversight in what goes into Ukraine? Wait till it starts funneling into these, these African states headed up by authoritarians, dictators. They're going to line their pockets and then line the pockets of the Bidens as well. That's who benefits. It's so easy for him to spend billions and billions of your dollars, taxpayers. It's probably not even that. They just print it off. 1.6 trillion here for the omnibus package, billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions, he said at one point, for Africa. Anything in there for the southern border? Anything in there for America's security? No, not much of that. This is outrageous. This is what passes, passes for presidential? And Donald Trump makes one misstatement. He's gone. It's over. Can't come back. It's too mean. He's too temperamental. He's do this. Look at what these people are doing to the nation. As if America has billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to bail out an entire continent from the sounds of it. I've been meaning to get to some of the, uh, the COVID updates, the vaccine side effects. And really, we should talk about this more because the major media, the legacy media, they just don't talk about it. You listen, play the clip where it was Mika and I think it was Fauci, and just how giddy they are about getting all the shots and all the boosters and making sure they're right up to date. So for some people, it's a third booster. For me, it would be a fourth booster. Um, how long after having COVID? What are the things we need to know about getting that booster and should everybody get boosted? Well, certainly the, the, the answer to your last question, Mika, is yes, everyone should. And the timing is as follows. If you have been infected with COVID, you wait three months minimum to get a booster. If you have had a booster in the past, but not the updated one, the bivalent BA4-5, you wait at least two months before you get the next shot. So that's the timing. That's easy. Easy. It's very clear. This is how it works. Boost away. And she's, of course, smiling, heading into her fourth booster. This is from the Washington Post from November, just a few weeks ago. Vaccinated people now make up a majority of COVID deaths. Vaccinated people. Forget about or leave aside the side effects. You know, the blood clots, the heart attacks, all those things. 
people with a brain hemorrhage, people just collapsing at the mall or on the ball field or in the studio. One guy on live TV, uh, an NBA announcer, not that long ago, just collapsed. It happens all the time now, doesn't it? It's just normal. Normal. This is what's in the subject line of our emails back and forth to each other here in the, the, the Trumpet Daily staff. Here's another normal event. 58% of coronavirus deaths in August were people who were vaccinated or boosted. It's the Washington Post. And yet listen to the White House COVID coordinator. He said this just yesterday, clip eight. We know we can prevent nearly every death from COVID if people get their updated vaccines and people get treated. So evidently he doesn't read the Washington Post. It's, it's right there in the Post two, three weeks ago. 58%, I mean, those numbers and percentages, they do wildly fluctuate because so much of the time it's impossible to get an exact number. Because if people calculate dying of COVID or with COVID or anywhere in between, those are the games that were played in, in 2020. And it continues. But, but how can he get up there before the world and say, if you get vaccinated, if you get boosted, what, what's the exact quote? We know we can prevent nearly every death. A thousand days. Just give us a thousand days to slow the spread and everything, everything will be perfect. Now we're past a thousand. Listen to Fauci uh, from earlier this week. Well, let me just let me just give you this quick. This is just the news. The earliest demographics to get COVID-19 vaccines, such as healthcare workers, reported a surprisingly high rate of serious complications from them. According to data, the CDC turned over under court order. They had to do it by court order. See, this is just the way it works with the deep state. If you're the CIA and you're, you're commanded in 2017 to release everything, it's 60 years on on the JFK assassination. It's 60 years on, so release it. Can't do it. Can't do it. We got to protect the institution. Protect the institution by keeping those documents sealed. Well, the CDC had to release it. Court order. It says among the 10 million plus users of the agency's V-Safe active monitoring smartphone app through July, 8.5 million of whom signed up between December 2020 and April 2021 before all adults were, were eligible for COVID vaccines, nearly 8% said they required medical care after receiving the vaccines. 8%? 8% of 8.5 million? We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. Hospital care after getting the vaccine? Is there any connection or relation here? Listen to Fauci uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday or the day before. He's asked about, you know, DeSantis is going to uh, call on an, an investigation in the state of Florida to see if the vaccines are really protecting people or, or if maybe they're hurting people. Listen to this, clip 15. The latest now, Dr. Fauci, is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He's now asking the Florida Supreme Court to greenlight an investigation into, and the way he put it, is any, uh, any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. What's your reaction to that? I don't have a clue, Kate, what he's asking for. I mean, we have a vaccine that unequivocally is highly effective and safe 
and has saved literally millions of lives. The Commonwealth Fund has come out with a report just this past week that vaccinations that have been administered over this period of time, this last year and a half to two years, has saved 3.2 million lives, 18 million hospitalizations, and approximately $1 trillion in costs. So what's the problem with vaccines? I mean, vaccines are life-saving. So quite frankly, Kate, I'm not sure what, what they're trying to do down there. And so the war over the truth continues. How timely was that speech by Donald Trump yesterday? This is, uh, this is Dr. Fauci saying, I don't have a clue what DeSantis is even concerned about. What, what's he talking about? The vaccines are saving millions and millions and millions of lives. This is from the Wall Street Journal last week. It says, last month, Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Robert uh, Califf tweeted that preliminary epidemiological findings point to the distinct possibility of the uh, bivalent, I think that's how you pronounce that, vaccines and antivirals reducing risk of long COVID. It says, if Pfizer tweeted that, it could be fined for making a claim beyond the FDA-authorized indication. Mr. Califf's Twitter thread included no data the bivalent vaccine was authorized by the FDA without a vote of its scientific expert advisory committee. No vote. Just push it on through. It says White House coordinator Aishis Jha declared last month that the science supporting bivalent vaccine is crystal clear. In fact, the Wall Street Journal writes, it was authorized based on data from eight mice. Eight. You can't make this up. They, they conducted experiments on eight mice, and this is what they concluded. Everyone on Earth needs this shot. Hasn't even been tested. No vote. It's not even put to a vote. Just pushed right on through. And then you have all these people collapsing over, all over the world. We had our Jerusalem correspondent just walking down the street earlier today. Said it happened in an outdoor restaurant. A guy just collapsed right, all, right over the table. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's because of the vaccine, but you have to admit, these kinds of incidents are happening a lot. It's in that documentary, Died Suddenly. A few examples just from this morning's research, fact-gathering. Canadian lawyer suddenly collapsed while questioning Ontario's Deputy Solicitor General during a hearing of the Public Order Emergency Commission. Another one here. This is cardiac arrests have become so common in Australia that they have now installed public use defibrillators on street corners. This one here, poster boy for Vax campaign dies at four years old, experts say. They say it's not caused by the vaccines. It has to be something else. Hawks announcer, it's the one I mentioned a moment ago, suffers a medical emergency live TV. Six-year-old suffers from a stroke, a six-year-old getting a stroke. Two journalists over at the World Cup. One of them, I mean, he was saying, if you don't get the vax, you're going to end up in, uh, in the hospital, or worse, you're going to die. And he's dead. And then just a few days after he died, he was 48 or 49. A few days after he died, we, we read news of another reporter. Dies suddenly. This one from yesterday, former UCF tight end Jake 
Hescock dies suddenly at 25, family's heartbroken. 25 years old, just died suddenly. Country singer Jack Flint, or Jake Flint, 37. He dies just a few hours after he got married. Everything seemed to be going, going great. Rod Stewart, the singer, his son Aiden, 11 years old, rushed to the hospital with suspected heart attack. An 11-year-old suffering from a heart attack. Just yesterday, we read about the Thai princess. She collapsed from a heart condition of some kind. This one here, top Michelin star chef Paul Kitching, dies suddenly, age 61, as heartbroken partner says it's a total shock. Totally unexpected. Total shock. Innocent newborn boy, dead from blood clots. And then this story out of New Zealand, anti-vax New Zealand parents, they lose custody of their critically ill baby after refusing to accept blood transfusions from COVID vaccinated donors. They didn't want the COVID vaccine in their baby's blood. And so the authorities just took, took the baby away from them. You got to get the vaccine because it's perfect, says Fauci. It's perfect. It saved millions and millions and millions of lives. We'll take a short break and come back and conclude today's show with our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily, and we'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. The world is taking notice of America's waning influence on global affairs. Europe, in particular, is alarmed by America's global retreat. How much longer before Europe realizes it can no longer rely on the U.S. defense umbrella? We are witnessing the beginning stages of an epic geopolitical shift. Well over 50 years ago, Herbert W. Armstrong predicted the rise of 10 kings in Europe to be led by Germany, a union of nations in the territory of the old Roman Empire. Using Bible prophecy as his guide, Mr. Armstrong accurately predicted events that are happening now in Europe. To learn more about these many earth-shaking prophecies, request He Was Right. This free booklet remembers five decades of accurate forecasting by Herbert W. Armstrong. Call today and ask for He Was Right. You may also request the book online. Just visit our website at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Yesterday on the show, I talked about Christ in you, the Apostle Paul there in 2 Corinthians 12, saying about himself, I know a man in Christ. I just want to give you these two verses from chapter 13 again because of how important they are with respect to this subject. Paul says in in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, it says, For though he was crucified through weakness, speaking of Christ, yet he lives by the power of God. He lives. He lives by God's power. And he lives in you. If you're a true Christian, the verse continues, For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. So we're crucified together with Christ, as Paul wrote in Galatians. We'll get to that later. Crucified with Christ, yet we live, but not I, said Paul. It's Christ in me. 
It's Jesus Christ who leads the way. This is, this is where, as the next verse here in 2 Corinthians 13 says, this is where we examine ourselves to make sure that Jesus is living in us. Is he living in us? Are, are we living our lives in accordance with his laws? He said to so many in his day, his earth, during his earthly ministry, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things I say? I mean, you, you, you worship your traditions, but you don't follow my laws. You don't obey God's laws. They were caught up into human traditions, all these traditions, particularly at this, this time of year, that, that people don't even care to look into. They just follow along. It's just built into our thinking. Just go along. I mean, there's a little, Satan certainly sets up a little bit of a variety. He's got a, a religion for everything out there. But for the most part, you just go along. Just go along according to the spirit of the prince of the power of the air. As long as it's moving in opposition to God or, or as long as it's going away from God, then that's all that he really cares about. 1 Corinthians 15, notice this, verse 14 says, And if Christ be not risen, this whole chapter, of course, is about the resurrection from the dead. It says, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. I mean, there's really no hope for salvation uh, unless the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually happened. And he lives by the power of God. It's by his life that we're saved, as Paul said in Romans 5. People don't understand this in the world of traditional Christianity. They think that you're saved by his death. It's the law of biogenesis. Life produces life. It's, it's Christ in you. Verse 15, it says, Yes, and we, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. I mean, if there's no resurrection, then this is just all a, a big hoax, Paul says. Why would these individuals, like Paul, read the end of 2 Corinthians 11, why would he subject himself to so much persecution, to being beaten by rods and whips and shipwrecked and, and thrown in prison and stoned, left for dead? You think Paul would have gone through all of that for a hoax? Would, would he go through something like that for a lie, just to spread a lie? He did it for the truth. He sacrificed everything for the truth. And so did Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was living in Paul. Paul was following his steps, obeying God's commands. Or when he made a mistake or he tripped up, he repented and got back on track. It says, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Well, I thought the sacrifice paid for the penalty for those sins. Well, it certainly does erase the past. But what about how we go on from here? How we go on living once we've claimed that sacrifice? We live in Christ. It says, then also, this is verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep or have died in Christ are perished. There'd be no hope for them were it not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no hope for any of us were it not for, or if not for, the living Christ. 
Verse 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. A lot of people around Corinth, they were just getting wrapped up in the cares of this life. And Paul was there educating them, teaching them, admonishing them that happiness comes from living in accordance with God's laws. It comes from following in the steps of Christ. Happiness comes from Christ in you. Hebrews 12, I think we read it yesterday, it says, For the joy before him, he sacrificed everything. Christ was able to be filling up on joy and, and goodness and peace, even as, he's, even as he was about to be crucified. That's remarkable. It's miraculous. It's because God lived in Christ. It's because Christ was filled with the Spirit. Verse 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept or had died. Verse 21, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Life in Christ. Notice this passage in Romans 8. I kind of paraphrased it already. But this is Romans 5, sorry, Romans 5 and verse 8. It says, but God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he did die for us. We, we've earned eternal death. That's Romans 6.23. The wages of sin, and all have sinned, Romans 3.23. The wages for that, what we earn because of our sins, it's eternal death. So of course there had to be a sacrifice for all. His life <laughs> was worth more than every human being who's ever lived, in some total, because he brought it all into to existence. Ephesians 3 says God brought this into existence, created us through Christ. So it says, but God commends his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So here God, or rather Paul, points us to the future, so you claim that sacrifice upon repentance and faith, baptism, the receipt of the Holy Spirit, and then what? Being now justified shall be saved. Notice verse 10, it says, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What could be more plain than that? That is plain, direct instruction concrete you're justified before god reconciled before god or to god because of the sacrifice of christ but it's his life it's by his resurrected life that we're saved that's what it says there at the end of verse 10 we shall be saved that's future we shall be saved by his life you see christ in us leads us to paradise. It leads us to glory. It leads us to God's kingdom. Notice uh, Galatians 2. This is Galatians 2 and verse 19. I alluded to these earlier as well. Here's Paul writing again saying, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. So there's a new life at play here. Paul had repented of his sins, his former way of living. And now he was living unto God. When he came into the church, his whole orientation and outlook on everything changed dramatically. 
He grew up a strict Pharisee, persecuting saints, persecuting true Christians, filled with self-righteousness. I mean, really motivated to persecute for sure. And then God struck him down and he repented before God. He was blinded for three days, had to be led into Damascus by the hand. He had some time to really think about his ways and what he had been doing. God said, why, why, why do you keep resisting against the pricks? Why are you hurting the work? He repented in dust and ashes, you could say. He turned it around, and he started living unto God, as it says in verse 19. And then verse 20, the memory verse, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It takes faith. It takes the faith of Christ. It takes living faith to even obey God and his laws. Jesus pointed this out in Matthew 19. With men, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It is possible. Never mind what the false preachers say, that it's impossible to obey God's laws. You can't do it, and this is why they say Jesus did all of that for you. You don't have to do anything. It's a cop-out. It's lawless. That's, that's a spirit of lawlessness. God's not that way. Jesus certainly wasn't that way. And if Jesus is in you, if he's living in you, he's obeying laws. That's the life we need inside of our minds and hearts, inside of our bodies. We need to let the mind of Jesus Christ dwell in you, as Paul said in Philippians 2. We need to sacrifice ourselves to be crucified together with Christ. That old man is dead and buried, read all through Romans 6. But then the living unto God, that is done by the life of Jesus Christ. I know a man, I know a man in Christ. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on today's show. We thank you for joining us all week. And we'll see you next time.